Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Fantastic. Hope everybody's doing well. Again, happy Father's Day, uh, and I hope you get to enjoy the day. Uh, In addition to Father's Day, it is also Juneteenth. It is a time where uh, our nation is uh, celebrating uh, the last of the enslaved to hear about the emancipation. And so in Annapolis specifically, there's been celebrations throughout the weekend. Uh, There was a gala or gala that took place on Friday we we had an opportunity to go to, and that was a lot of fun. And yesterday was a festival at Bates Middle, so... A lot of fun. There was fireworks. I didn't get a chance to stay for the fireworks, but uh, it, was, it was fun. Just a lot of good fun, good, good people, good food, uh, just a good time. So hopefully you get a chance to enjoy the day and to celebrate alongside uh, this city and our nation as we recognize the magnitude of that great day. Uh, we are finalizing our series. Uh, we've been in a series through the past couple of weeks entitled Dear Church. And what we've been looking at are letters written to the church or written to folks Uh, as an encouragement to them, and as an encouragement to us. And today we finalize, or we come, uh, we bring to conclusion our series um, by looking at the letter of Jude. And so uh, this is perhaps a book not often spoken from or not often read. It is a short book, but we have the gift this morning to, to be in the letter of Jude and see his encouragement for the people at that day, and for us today. So I want to read from Jude uh, verses 1 through 4. There is no chapter, so it's not turn to chapter. It's just open up Jude, and we're reading 1 to 4. And so it'll be on the screen behind, and I'll read the first four verses, and we'll just walk through the book together. Jude 1 through 4 reads as follows. It says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And this is God's Word. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we, are, we praise you. We celebrate your name. We, we long for the day where we would see you face to face. And so, Lord, even now, may the reading of your Word be an encouragement to us that we might recognize the opportunity that you gift to us in Jesus. The admonition of Jude, that we would contend or stand firm in the faith, Lord. And so as we read and walk through this passage this morning, Lord, would you give us wisdom on how we might accomplish this? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the letter of Jude, uh, another, uh, another way you would pronounce his name is Judah or Judas. And so we have this letter, same derivative, this letter of Jude, and he introduces himself as the brother of James. And so if you read the Scriptures, you'd recognize that the brother of James is also the brother of Jesus. 
And so we have a letter written from Jesus' brother, Jude. And one of the things that is interesting about this letter, as opposed to the other letters, is we get insight into the Messianic Jewish movement. Uh, the majority, most of Paul's letters are written to a Gentile audience. And so we get insight in First and Second Peter and in Jude on the life of the Jewish community that came to faith. In fact, when you read Jude, one of the things that is evident, we know that he's writing primarily to a Jewish audience because of the Jewish historical references, the Jewish literature he references. So someone who is of the Hebrew background would understand everything that Jude is speaking about. And he writes this letter and notice his audience. We read it in verse 2. He says to those, or verse 1, to those who are called beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus. That is a good way to address believers, that we are called by God, that we are loved by God, and we are being kept for Jesus. Friends, this morning, please recognize and know that with certainty that you, my brother, you, my sister, if your faith is in Jesus, you are being kept for Jesus. Friends, we are being kept for Jesus. In previous generations, when you would attend the wedding, the solemn vows that a bride would include and a groom would include with these words, we would ask the question, do you promise to keep yourself only unto him or unto her as long as you both shall live? And the couple-to-be would respond, I do. They would understand that they are uniting themselves together in undivided loyalty because they know that there is love in that relationship. That there was a determination that I belong to you and you belong to me. And their commitment was, I was gonna, I'm going to keep myself for you because all my life I've been kept for this moment. And so in the same way that a would keep herself unto her husband, in the same way that a husband would do that unto his wife, that is what Jude is saying, that we are being kept for Jesus. We are his bride. Jesus is the bridegroom. Friends, you are deeply loved by God. And so in the context of the craziness of the world they lived in, in the context of the craziness of the world we live in, that is good news to know that you are deeply loved by God and that you are being kept for Jesus. And understanding that he deeply loves us, understanding that he has called us, friends, we must fight for this love. We ought not give up on this love. We ought to fight for, love, for this love. And this is the occasion for this letter. Jude tells us explicitly why he writes this letter. He says, I originally was going to write a letter to talk about our common salvation. He was going to send a letter as an encouragement to talk about the gospel. But then he said, there's an urgent matter. I was originally going to write about this, but I, I must now write about this reality. You must contend for the faith. When you read that word contend in, in Greek, it's the word agonizomites, where we get the word agonize. It's the idea that athletes would, would, in an effort to win, would find themselves intensely struggling, agonizing, competing, even fighting with all their might. That is what Jude is calling on believers to do, to fight for the faith, to go on red alert. 
We are asked to read this letter in all readiness. Jude's word to the church is this, on your feet. The time for leisure is past. Agonize. Exert maximum effort. Fight. Contend for the faith. So we know who he's writing to, those that are being kept by Jesus. We know what he's writing about, contending for the faith. But why? Why this urgency? Why Paul the church to alertness? He tells us in verse 4. He says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God, the grace of our God, into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Notice what Jesus He's not going after what these these people are teaching. He's going after what they're doing. The best way to sum it up is that they had, they had compromised on their morality. And moral compromise always leads to bad theology. Certain people were challenging the faith in two ways. One, they were perverting the grace of God. They were saying, we could do whatever we want. God is a forgiving God. I, I can live any way I want. He's going to forgive me. What's the big deal? And by perverting God's grace... They were setting aside God's authority. They were saying, God's grace gives me permission to sin. I'm free in Christ. Jesus loves me. We are forgiven. Do whatever you want to do. How could a person come to that conclusion? It's because they've rejected the authority of Jesus. That's Jude's concern. There are people that have crept in. There is a teaching going around. There's lifestyles being lived that pervert God's grace and reject his authority. Jude says, contend for the faith. So Jude is going to make the case that we ought not compromise who we are in Christ. We ought not forget that we are kept by Jesus. He said, folks, the ones that are perverting God's grace, the ones that are rejecting his authority, God is not playing around with them. He says, you want proof? I'm going to give you proof. And so then in, in, in his letter, he spends talking about how God deals with those that pervert his grace and those that deny his authority. You, you see it in the, in the verses that follow. He says there was rebellion in the wilderness. If you remember our time, we, we walked through Numbers, we walked through De- Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus. We, we walked through those books and we saw Israel in the wilderness. Here was the people in the book of Exodus that were delivered by God. They're living in the freedom with which God had set them free. They they make a covenant with God in the wilderness. But because of their disbelief, they perished. Many people, they just didn't believe anymore. They saw the miracles of the parting of the Red Sea, and still they disbelieved. Jude says, you want proof? I got proof. Look at the rebellion in the Exodus. Jude says, you want proof? Look at the angels that left their their position of authority, and they did some crude things. And and many look to what Jude is talking about, and they reference Genesis chapter 6, where the angels left their current state. And the Bible tells us that the the, the sons of God and the daughters of men came together, the the sons of God and the daughters of men came together, that the angelic, that these fallen angels slept with uh, the women of that day, and the Nephilim came. He says, they, they, they rebelled against God. And Jude says, and God, 
Not only do you see proof in the rebellion in the Exodus, not only with the angels, he sees that he calls out Sodom and Gomorrah in the same way they perverted themselves. He says they went after other flesh. So Judah's going to make case after case after case. He talks about Cain and how he corrupted people. He talks about Balaam and how he corrupted the people. And he talks about Korah and how they corrupted people. And Jude says people have crept in unawares, unaware, and as such, there is danger. One thing that fascinates, about me, fascinates uh, me about this passage, he, he rebukes them harshly, but he does it poetically. He's, he's basically condemning them, but he uses poetry to do it. That's like artistic and mean at the same time. It's like, man, you are a mean person, mean like the lilies in the air. You're like, wait, should I be offended or should I like compliment you for using such poetic literature? Look at what he says in 12 and 13. He sums up the rebellious nature of people in his day and those historically, and he says, these are hidden reefs at your love feast, as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds. Trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted. Wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame. Wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Isn't that beautiful? That's just great poetry. But he's telling, this is the insanity of what's going on with those that are perverting the grace of God and denying. They're, they're hidden reefs in your love feast. When we gather there with us. They're like shepherds whose duty is to feed others, but they're feeding themselves. Clouds that ought to give water. They are waterless, swept along by winds. Trees that ought to give fruit in late autumn. They are fruitless, twice dead, and uprooted. He says, this is the calamity. This is why I had to change the tone of my letter. Instead of talking about our common salvation, contend for the faith. And so Jude writes to urge his readers to continue the fight on behalf of of the gospel. You see, the false teachers attack the implications of what God had done in Christ, and Jude sees the gospel being attacked. And so why contend? Because of this reality. And so Jude addresses his audience, you that are being kept for Jesus. Contend for the faith. Why? Because there are people that are perverting God's grace, and, and you and I, if not, we might fall away. So he says, contend for the faith. And so inevitably, you, you, you hear why we should contend the faith. The next question is, how do we contend for the faith? How do we fight for the faith? How do we contend? How do we, how do, we do this? That is the great question Jude is presenting to us. He says, contend for the faith. We ask, how? And so how does a person contend for the faith? How are we to go about doing it? The answer is found in verses 20 and 21. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. How do you contend for the faith? You keep yourself in God's love. 
When you read 20 and 21, he mentions things like building yourself in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, and waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these sound like the things we ought to do. What's fascinating about this passage is the word keep is the only word that is in the imperative. In other words, the word keep is the command. You want to contend for the faith? Keep yourselves in the love of God. And, 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 and what comes out of keeping yourself in the love of God is you build yourself in the most holy faith. You pray in the Holy Spirit, and then you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. So friends, if you want to contend for the faith, you must keep yourself in the love of God. The way I heard it best described is with watchful care, keep yourselves within the sphere of God's love. This is why we elevate things like community groups. This is why we would elevate abiding in Christ. This is why we would elevate just disciplines that bring us into the presence of Jesus because it's in the presence of Jesus that we're in the sphere of his love. So to keep yourself in the love of God means that you keep yourself in the place where you experience the blessing that God's love brings. One theologian compared the love of God to the sun. He says, the sun is always shining, but when something comes between us and the sun, we are no longer in the sunshine. Friends, what is in the way of God's love? And so you want to contend for the faith? Know that you are being kept by Jesus. I'm sorry. Know that you're being kept by God for Jesus. You want to contend for the faith? Keep yourself in the love of God. We better do that, right? But here's what I love. Lest we think that keeping ourselves in the love of God is what we ought to do and is the only thing necessary. Look at the strength from which we get the ability to keep ourselves in the love of God. Look at how he closes out the book. He says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Friends, do you you see that? We are being kept by God for Jesus. We are to keep ourselves in the love of God. But ultimately, who's the one doing the keeping? It's God. That is so freeing to know that my agonizing for the faith is not going to earn me salvation. My agonizing for the faith is is recognizing the reality of what God is at work doing. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his great glory with great joy. That is wedding language. This is the bride being kept for her husband, waiting that day where she will stand and be presented to her bridegroom. Friends, that is the promise for you. That is the promise for me. And if we're worried about falling away, now unto him who's able to keep us from stumbling and to present us blameless before the presence of his glory, great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time now and forevermore. And everyone says, amen. That's the promise. We are being kept for him as a bride is being kept for the bridegroom. And as such, we enamor ourselves 
with his love so that the various competing voices out there that try to rip us out of the arms of the one who loves us, out of the arms of the one who gave his love for us, Jude says, contend for that faith, stay in his love. In fact, keep yourself in his love. And in so doing, know that it is God ultimately. He is the one that is going to keep you from falling. That is Jude's encouragement to the church. That is Jude's encouragement to us. And I pray we keep ourselves in his love, recognizing that ultimately he's the one keeping us for himself to be presented before Jesus. I want to call our musicians up as we pray. And as we pray this morning, I just want to invite you just to reflect and consider that. Just, just imagine the many ways that God has demonstrated his love to you and for you. And that's the essence of what Christ has done. He's, he, he demonstrated God's love towards us, that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So, friends, you are being kept for Jesus, kept in his love, and ultimately as God who keeps us. That's how we contend. Let's pray together. And now, Lord, we delight ourselves in you and in the truth of your love. There are so many things that are vying for our love, for our attention, for our affections, Lord. So many things that would pervert your grace and deny your uh, lordship. But Lord, we are reminded this morning of who we are in you, that we are called by you, that we are loved by you, and that we are kept for Jesus. And as such, Lord, what a joy and privilege it is for us to keep ourselves in your love. And so this morning, would you just uh, help us to reimagine the depth of your love and what you've done in Christ Jesus. And in so doing, may we, anytime we waver, anytime we feel like giving up, anytime we are being tempted to, to walk away, may we remember that it is you, Lord, who's keeping us from falling. And as such, Lord, we are, our assurance and our confidence is in you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you, most importantly, for Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. Praying this all in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.